0: 15. Tino play wrote to his home board, Within the past few months quite a company of people from the Transcaucasus district have come to Ismid, Old Nicodemia, bringing all they possess with them. Some of them possess considerable wealth. When asked if they were going to settle in Ismid, they replied that they would settle nowhere permanently at present. They stated that they had come to be prepared to go with their leader when he left Constantinople to go to Jerusalem. Wherever the capital may first be set up following the forsaking of Constantinople, and Turkish authorities, we are told, have discussed a number of possible locations in Asia Minor. There stands the ancient prophecy as to the eventual seat of the King of the North. He shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain. Following that, what comes, the prophecy declares, yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. What comes when Turkey falls the fury of his goings forth, utterly to make away many, the moving of his capital from one place to another, avail nothing in the end, he shall come to his end, and none shall help him, the suggestion of the prophecy is that this power has hitherto been helped to stand, here again every suggestion of the prophetic language finds its response in history, through these later years of the time of the end the Ottoman Empire has been helped to stand, by either one power or another. Or by some combination of powers. The late Lord Salisbury, while Premier of Britain, thus stated the reasons for this policy of helping Turkey, Turkey is in that remarkable condition in which it has now stood for half a century, mainly because the great powers of the world have resolved that for the peace of Christendom it is necessary that the Ottoman Empire should stand. They came to that conclusion nearly half a century ago. I do not think they have altered it now. The danger, if the Ottoman Empire should fall, would not merely be the danger that would threaten the territories of which that empire consists, it would be the danger that the fire there lit should spread to other nations, and should involve all that is most powerful and civilized in Europe in a dangerous and calamitous contest, that was the danger that was present to the minds of our fathers when they resolved to make the integrity and independence of the Ottoman Empire a matter of European treaty, and that is a danger which has not passed away. Mansion House Speech. November 9th. 1895, the veteran premier stated the fear of modern statesmen that Turkey's fall would involve all civilization in a calamitous conflict, the prophecy pictures just such a catastrophe, in these words, he shall come to his end, and none shall help him, and at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time what modern statesmen have seen impending and have sought to ward off. The ancient prophecy says will surely come to pass when the King of the North comes to his end, a time of trouble for the nations such as never was. In the New Testament in the prophecy of Revelation 16, the last great clash of the nations is represented as following the fall of the power that rules the territory drained by the Euphrates. Describing the last events in human history, under the pouring out of the vials of judgment upon the world, the prophet says, The sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Ref. 1612. The water of the Euphrates represents the people or power ruling by it. When anciently the Assyrians dwelt by that river and were about to invade Israel, the prophet said, The Lord bringeth up upon them the waters of the river, strong and many, even the king of Assyria. Isa. 8 7. The waters of the Euphrates meant the Assyrian power. Just so in this prophecy, the river stands for the people. As the Nile stood for Egypt, and the Tiber for Rome, so in all modern times the Euphrates has stood for Turkey. The drying up of the Euphrates must mean the ending of the Turkish power. And in the verses immediately following, Revelation pictures the gathering of the nations of the whole world to Armageddon, the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Following Turkey's end comes the final clash of nations the earthquakes, the cities of the nations fall, and the last judgments of God come upon a warring world, here, as in Daniel 12, is pictured a time of trouble for the nations such as never was, and the end of the world, when the power ruling in Syria, by the Euphrates, comes to its end, the approaching end for years statesmen and observers have discussed the approaching dissolution of the Ottoman Empire. Travelers in Turkey have reported that thoughtful Turkish people held the conviction that the crisis of their nation was near at hand. Years ago Mr. Charles McFarlane wrote, the Turks themselves seem generally to be convinced that their final hour is approaching. We are no longer Muslims. The Muslim sabre is broken. The Osmanlis will be driven out of Europe by the Geyers, and driven through Asia to the regions from which they first sprang. It is Kuzmet. We cannot resist destiny. I heard words to this effect from many Turks, as well in Asia as in Europe, Kuzmet, or the Doom of Turkey, London, 1853, page 409, a later Turkish traveler, Mr. Wilfred Skolwain Blunt, says, ancient prophecy and modern superstition alike point to the return of the Crescent into Asia as an event at hand, and to the Doom of the Turks, a well-known prediction to this effect which has for ages exercised its influence on the vulgar and even on the learned Mohammedan mind, places the scene of the last struggle in northern Syria, at on the Orontes. Islam is then finally to retire from the north, and the Turkish rule to cease. Such prophecies often work their own fulfillment. Future of Islam. Page 95. Thus native tradition and human forebodings have contemplated the breakup of the Turkish power, as the course of the years has witnessed the shrinkage of its territory and the ever-increasing difficulty of its position. Now and then there has been a renewal of Turkey's vigor and prestige, then again its situation has been rendered yet more precarious. It has been a buffer between the clashing interests of the great powers. Speaking of Turkey's difficult position in this respect, the London Fortnightly Review, May, 1915, expressed a common view thus, when once the nations of Europe set foot in Asia Minor, The pace of Turkey's further downfall will be set not so much by Turkey's strength or weakness as by the mutual jealousies of the occupying powers. The storm clouds hang ever low over the Near East, while above all the din of wars and rumors of wars. The voice of divine prophecy declares that when this power comes to its end, the closing events in human history will quickly follow. The solemn truth rings in our ears like a trumpet peal, the age-long Eastern question is hastening on to its final solution and its solution brings the end of the world. In the light of the sure word of prophecy, the developments of our day in the East become more than matters of grave political concern to statesmen and observers of affairs generally, they are matters of deepest personal, eternal interest to every soul. In watching the trend of international affairs, we are watching the doing of the last things among the nations, as these things are seen coming to pass exactly as the prophecy foretold. We recognize them as God's call to men in the last generation to turn to him and prepare their hearts to meet the coming Lord. Let no one think to wait until he sees turkey come to its end before making his peace with God. The end of this power, as described in Revelation 16, comes during the falling of the seven last plagues. And the last verse of the preceding chapter shows that Christ's ministry for sinners in the heavenly temple has ended before the plagues begin to fall. Human probation will already have closed. The solemn decree will then have been issued in heaven, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still, and, behold, I come quickly, ref, 20 11, 12, now is the accepted time, calls the spirit, now is the day of salvation, 2 cor 6 2, we have not to make ourselves ready if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1 9, our part is to believe and confess, his part is to forgive and cleanse and make us ready for the coming kingdom, the sinner's plea with broken heart and contrite side. a trembling sinner, Lord, I cry, thy pardoning grace is rich and free, O God, be merciful to me, nor alms, nor deeds that I have done, can for a single sin atone, To Calvary alone I flee, O God, be merciful to me, and when, redeemed from sin and hell, with all the ransom throng I dwell, my raptured song shall ever be, God has been merciful to me. Cornelius Elvin. Illustration, the great battle of Armageddon the whole world involved in the last great clash of nations, the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. Ref. 1118. Illustration the plain of the S.T.R.A.L.O.N. and Mount M.E.G.I.D.O., he gathered them together into a place called, Armageddon, R.E.F. 1616, Armageddon the final clash of earthly empires, we are living, we are dwelling, in a grand and awful time, in an age-on-age's telling, to be living is sublime, hark, the waking up of nations, Gog and Magog to the fray. hark, what soundeth, is creation groaning for her latter-day? The sure word of prophecy that foretold the rise and fall of ancient empires, and outlined the general course of world history through the ages, describes also the last great struggle of the nations. The proverb says, Peace is the dream of the wise, but war is the history of man, and divine prophecy assures us that the history of this present world will end amid scenes of conflict. Many in our time have come to think that civilization must reach a better way of composing the rivalries of the nations the prophecy forewarns us of their wise. In fact, the prophetic word points to the talk of peace and safety amid preparations for war, as a distinct sign of the latter days. In the last days, Isaiah says, Many people shall go and say, They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks, Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Isaiah 2.24 This is what many people were to be saying. But the real conditions in the last days are described as exactly the opposite. The prophet Joel describes the real spirit of the world in these times. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles the nations, prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near, let them come up, beat your plowshares into swords, and your pruning hooks into spears, let the weak say, I am strong. Joel 3, 9, 10. The context shows that the prophet is speaking of the last times. When The day of the Lord is near. Verse 14. The prophecy fulfilling this is what we have seen in our time, as never before in the history of man, the product of the plowshare and the pruning hook being turned into instruments of war. About 25 years ago the late Marquess of Salisbury, speaking as a man grown gray in the service of the state, asked a London audience the question, what is the great change that marks this time as different from the times when most of us were young men? the aged statesman answered his own question, saying that it was the arming of the nations, the swift race upon which the powers had then recently entered, to increase their naval and military armaments, it is a sign of our times, answering to the prophetic forecast, throughout the present generation the thoughtful have watched with grave forebodings the preparations of the nations for war, Queen Alexandra, of Britain, once said of it, I was educated in the school of a kin who was, before all things, just, and I have tried, like him, always to preach love and charity. I have always mistrusted warlike preparations, of which nations seem never to tire. Someday this accumulated material of soldiers and guns will burst into flames in a frightful war that will throw humanity into mourning on earth and grieve our universal Father in heaven. As the race of armaments went forward on a scale never before thought of. Statesmen and writers began to make use of the word, Armageddon, to describe the conflict that they saw was inevitable. Years ago the London Contemporary Review said, odd things are happening everywhere. Russia, Germany, England these are great names, they palpitate with great ideas, they have vast destinies before them, and millions of armed men in their pay, all awaiting Armageddon. In June, 1909, Lord Rosebery, in a speech before a press convention in London, commented gravely upon the significance of the feverish haste with which the nations were arming themselves, as if for some great Armageddon, and that in a time of the profoundest peace, to quote from a popular American magazine, of the same year, today all Europe is divided into two arm camps, waiting breathlessly for the morrow with its Armageddon, everybody's magazine, November, 1909, thus, everywhere. Observers saw that the rivalry of interests among the nations was leading to a conflict so overwhelmingly vast that only the scriptural word, Armageddon, with its appeal to the imagination, seemed adequately suggestive of its proportions. Every passing year added to the intensity of feeling and the antagonism of interests. In 1911 the London 19th century and after said, illustration, United States Battleship, Nevada, photograph taken from the Manhattan Bridge, New York copyright by underwood and underwood and why never was national and racial feeling stronger upon earth than it is now never was preparation for war so tremendous and so sustained never was striking power so swift and so terribly formidable the shadow of conflict and of displacement greater than any which mankind has known since el and his huns were stayed at calons is visibly impending over the world almost can the ear of imagination hear the gathering of the legions for the fiery trial of peoples a sound vast as the trumpet of the Lord of Hosts, quoted in the Literary Digest, May 6, 1911. Illustration: Comrades after the battle soldiers bringing in two wounded captives, photo by Central Photo Service, N.Y. What the ancient prophecy foretold the preparing of war in the last days, the waking up and arming of the nations we have seen fulfilling before our eyes in this generation. Satanic agencies at work in prophecies of the gathering of the nations for the last great struggle. Inspiration draws aside the veil, and allows us to see the agencies that have been stirring up the world for the war. As the prophet John was shown in vision the scenes of the last days, he saw the invisible powers of Satan, the spirits of devils, going forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Ref. 1614 earnest-minded statesmen have lamented their helplessness to combat the forces and influences pressing the world on toward conflict. In one of his last speeches as Premier of Great Britain, the late Marquess of Salisbury was defending yet further calls for army and navy appropriations. He said, for years public opinion was in favor of a Pacific policy. But now that state of opinion has passed away. The tide has turned. And who am I and who are we? That we should attempt to stem the tide?" if the tide has turned, we shall have to go with it, we are in the presence of forces far larger than we can wield, what those forces were, the aged statesman did not recognize, but the prophecy tells us, the prophet was shown the evil spirits from Satan going forth everywhere as the end nears, to stir up the whole world to the last great conflict, Sir Edward Gray, British foreign secretary, described these agencies very accurately, speaking in the House of Commons, November 27th, 1911. He said, It is really as if in the atmosphere of the world there were some mischievous influence at work, which troubles and excites every part of it. It is all coming to pass exactly as the sure word of prophecy foretold. The conviction that great and decisive events are at hand has taken possession of many hearts in all the world. When the European War broke out in 1914, on a scale unprecedented in human history, it was no wonder that the question sprang to many lips. Is it Armageddon? The question was not lightly asked. The Committee of the Church Missionary Society Church of England, one of the greatest missionary organizations in the world, sent a message to its missionaries in all lands at the outbreak of the war. In this message was a call to prepare for the coming of the Lord. It may be that these events will quickly usher in the return of Christ to gather his saints together from the four quarters of the earth. Many see in the events preceding and accompanying this terrible cataclysm of war the signs of our Lord's near return. If so, Blessed will that servant be whom his Lord when he cometh shall find giving their food in due season to those fellow servants who have been put in his charge. Church Missionary Review, November, 1914 Timely as this call was, it was evident, from the prophetic scriptures, that the conflict then opening could not be the Armageddon of the Apocalypse. For the prelude to that final clash of nations is an event yet in the future the downfall of a nation whose part in the closing scenes is clearly described in the prophecy of the coming Armageddon, the end of the power which rules over the territory through which the river Euphrates flows, is the prelude to Armageddon, the prophecy says, the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared, ref, 1612. Next follows the gathering of, the whole world, to, the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Verse 14. Through all modern times Turkey has been identified with the Euphrates. The region of Syria and Asia Minor, long held by Turkey, has been the historic meeting place of the East and the West. In the London Fortnightly Review, May, 1915, Mr. J. B. Firth wrote, When, with the fall of Ottoman sovereignty at Constantinople, the Turk is driven out of Europe, there will arise once more the eternal question of the possession of Asia Minor. That land is the corridor between Europe and Asia, along which hath passed most of the European conquerors the Russians alone accepted who had invaded Asia, and most of the Asiatic conquerors who had invaded Europe. The fall of the Turkish power in this Euphrates region will, in some manner, prepare the way for the kings of the East to come up to the final conflict the awakening of the East the same spirit that has been stirring up the West in preparation for the contest has been working in the East also. Year after year observers have plonked out the great changes taking place in Asia. September, 1909, the London Contemporary Review said, The whole of Asia is in the throes of rebirth. At last we may see these three the yellow race, the Indian race, and the arab persian Mohammedan race, and all that is making for the Armageddon. A writer in the May, 1913, issue of the London 19th century and after, reviewing the situation at the close of the Balkan War, said, a new spirit is abroad in the East. It arose on the shores of the Pacific when Japan proved that the great powers of Europe are not invulnerable. North and south and west it has spread, rousing China out of centuries of slumber, stirring India into ominous questioning, reviving memories of past glory in Persia, breeding discontent in Egypt, and luring Turkey onto the rocks with all the nations stirred up by the spirit agencies of the god of this world the prophet next saw the armies of earth gathering to the last great battle the prophecy continues and he gathered them together into a place called in the hebrew tongue armageddon Ref. 1616 armageddon means the hill or mount of megiddo which overlooks the plain of israel on the historic battleground of northern palestine Carmack says of it megiddo was the military key of syria It commanded at once the highway northward to Phoenicia and seal Syria and the road across Galilee to Damascus and the valley of the Euphrates. It was moreover the chief town in a district of great fertility. The contested possession of many races, the Baal of Kisan and the region of Megiddo were inevitable battlefields. Through all history they retained that qualification, there many of the great contests of southwestern Asia have been decided. In the history of Israel it was the scene of frequent battles. From such association, the district achieved a dark nobility. It was regarded as a predestined place of blood and strife. The poet of the apocalypse has clothed it with awe as the ground of the final conflict between the powers of light and darkness. Pre biblical Syria and Palestine. Page 82. Thus, Armageddon, as the military key of Syria, marks Palestine and the Near East as the great international storm center in the final conflict. The political storm center in vision. Nearly 2000 years ago. The Prophet saw the forces of the last days gathering around this pivotal region. Today observers recognize the Eastern Mediterranean as indeed the pivotal point around which international interests involving East and West naturally revolve. Some years ago, in discussing railway development in Asia and Africa, and the great highways of sea transportation, the London fortnightly review said, Palestine is the great center. The meeting of the roads, whoever holds Palestine, commands the great lines of communication not only by land, but also by sea. Again, the Manchester Guardian, emphasizing the importance attaching to the strategic centre, said during the Great War, Egypt, as things are, and the fact cannot be too often emphasized, is the weak spot in our system of imperial defence by sea power. Not until Palestine is in our possession can Egypt be regarded as safe. Quoted in Literary Digest. February 12, 1916. Page 369. Other nations have recognized the strategic value of a territory so situated. Thus political considerations make this region pond out by the prophecy a center of conflicting interests. Hogarth, in his book, The Near East, calls it, the time-honored storm center of the Eastern Mediterranean. The religious storm center to the conflict of political interests is added the rivalry of religious sentiment, commenting on the religious associations of Palestine in relation to the international political situation. The London Spectator some years ago stated the matter thus, People often ask how it is that the future of Palestine presents such difficulties. The reason is simply that Jerusalem you cannot separate Jerusalem from Palestine is the sacred city of so many creeds and warring faiths. Not only is it the holy place of all the Christian churches, and two of them quarrel bitterly over it, the Greeks and the Latins, but it is also one of the most sacred places in the Mohammedan world. Mecca and Medina are hardly more sacred than the Mosque of Omar. That is a fact which is often ignored by Europeans, who forget that to turn the Mohammedans out of the temple enclosure would disturb the whole Muslim world, from the Straits settlements to Albania. We must never forget that Mohammedan pilgrims from India visit Jerusalem, just as Christian pilgrims visit it from Europe. Lastly, Jerusalem is profoundly sacred to the Jews, and the Jews are beginning to be locally numerous and important. Most certainly there are no elements of difficulty wanting in the problem of the future of Palestine. History records the fact that rivalry over the care of the traditional holy places helped to precipitate one European war that of the Crimea. In the study of the Eastern question, we have seen that the prophecy of Daniel 11 marks Jerusalem as still a storm center in the closing scenes. A British consul in Jerusalem, in the days following the Crimean War, set forth suggestively his view of one of the factors in the Eastern question he wrote, the very heart and kernel of the eastern question can only be reached in the holy city, Jerusalem, where the eastern and western churches are still wrestling as of old for the mastery, now as heretofore, disguise the object as they may, they are striving for a prize which has not been destined by divine providence for either, and this prize is no less than a virtual dominion over the Christian world from a throne of government within the sanctuaries of the holy city, and the possession of that throne would involve possession of the key to a universal dominion. Stirring Times, Records from Jerusalem Consulate Chronicles, by James Finn, Introductory Note by Editor, Pizxia, foretold in prophecy by every consideration political, racial, and religious the Near East supplies all the elements for involving the whole world when once the sweeping displacements begin which the prophecy foretold, and for which statesmen in our day have sought to prepare. Long ages ago the prophet of God, in vision on the Isle of Patmos, was shown the clash of interests and the gathering of the nations around this historic center. Before our eyes today we see events tending to give to this region the very character assigned to it by the prophecy. It was written in the sure word of prophecy in order that, as the events foretold are seen approaching, men may believe and turn to God, and find salvation from the things coming upon the earth into the prophecy of the 16th chapter of Revelation, describing the gathering of forces to Armageddon, our Savior interjects the warning and the appeal, Behold, I come as a thief, blessed is he that watcheth, and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame, verse 15, the last earthly events that the prophecy is dealing with the pouring out of the seven last plagues, and the clash of Armageddon come after probation closes, the close of probation, The passing of the ministry of Christ in the heavenly temple will come as a thief and announced. Our only safety is in yielding heart and life to him now for cleansing and accepting from his hand the garments of his own righteousness freely offered to everyone. What comes with Armageddon? Whatever ambitions or aims may be the impelling motives when the gathering to the great conflict comes. One thing is certain Armageddon is to bring triumph and world dominion to no earthly power. As the nations gather, the Lord intervenes from heaven and the history of the kingdoms of this world is closed at last. The prophet tells the sequel to Armageddon, he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon, and the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven, from the throne, saying, It is done, and there were voices, and thunders, and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake, and so great, and the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God, to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath, and every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Rev. 16 16 21. The fall of the Turkish power is the prelude to the gathering of the nations to the battle of Armageddon. And Armageddon is the prelude to the end of the world and Christ's glorious coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. The armies gathered to battle for supremacy find themselves suddenly arrayed against the armies of heaven. Another prophecy describes the scene when Christ is revealed, the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Ref, 6 15, 17. Again, as the great searchlight of divine prophecy lights up the way before us, we see by the course of present day events that the end is drawing very near by what sudden turn of affairs the last things to be done in history may be set in motion, none can foresee, the Saviour admonishes every soul, therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh, Matt, 24 minutes and 44 seconds, it is for this time of waiting, especially, that Christ spoke the parable of the ten virgins who wait for the bridegroom, all sincerely wanted to meet him, all expected to be ready, but when the cry was raised, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him, only five were ready, the others lacked the oil that was to give them light, we know what the oil represents the genuine heart experience of the grace and love of Christ, illustration, the ten virgins, they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut, Matt. twenty-five minutes and ten seconds, those overtaken and ready, hastened away to get oil, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready.